Welcome to the BUDU channel. I'm your host, Olivia Igwe. You could consider me a style consultant, but on the other side of that, I love sharing knowledge on what I'm inspired by, but also learning from amazing human beings that have encountered their purpose. They may be living in it, but also to tell their story. Our goal is to bring value through these creative souls that are living in their passion. Or on the other hand, ask questions like how do they keep themselves motivated trying to figure it out? We want to bring value and have you be that star that is shining in the sky because you were born to be one too. So stay tuned. Here we have, welcome to my BUDA channel guys. So we have Jonathan Johnny Doughty. So you are a chef um, who's moved into consulting and into the food industry. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that tran transition and was it a, like a little bit of a shock to you or? Yeah, it was. I think it's a little bit of a shock to everybody else as well. Yeah. I mean, it's taken some time. So I'm, what am I, 57 now. I started cooking at 14. Um, okay. So that was at home. Um, I used to run my mum's dinner parties. And I really enjoyed doing that. And then I went off and trained to be a cook. I left school. Um, my mum and dad weren't so happy about that because uh, I was you know, destined to do what most normal people do, go and be a lawyer or a doctor or a vet or something. My brother had gone and done languages and my sister was a vet. And, and I decided I was going to cook, which is quite cool. And uh, I went to college. I learned to cook. I worked in a Polish restaurant, first of all. So I learned how to cook all sorts of Polish food before anything else. And then, I started to realize that there was a, a big gap. It was a big gap. People in the food industry not being understood. So I worked for various hotel companies. I worked around the world, in Singapore and America, Boston. And then I started working for a food manufacturing company, Mars, um, helping with the new product development. And that was when I suddenly realized the power of food. Only when you started in Mars. Up until that point, it felt like a like like, like a personal thing that I just got a real kick out of serving people okay. and seeing them enjoy themselves. But at that point, you suddenly realised the commercial benefit of food. And when did that start? For that was 1987, But then it became really really obvious that there was there was a future for food, and at that time. If you were in food, it was because you couldn't do anything else. You were useless. Yeah. I mean, basically, the only people, when I went to college, the only people were there, the people who failed their exams, and it was their third or fourth or even fifth choice on their list of things oh. to do. For me, it was my first choice. It was really funny. So, you know, I was passionately um, believing that food was going to be my future. I then went and did a degree, retrospectively, I did a degree in Manchester. Okay. And then, and then I did a bit more travelling around the world, and eventually I joined a small consulting company in London. They were building the first food courts for shopping centres. And they, they weren't very good, mm -hmm. as in the food courts weren't very good, but the guy who ran it was, was pretty inspirational. Um, and I worked for him for nearly four years, and then mm -hmm. their company was going under on Christmas time. Okay. Um, and I thought, what am I going to do? And I, I started my own company, Coverpoint, okay. in January 1993. Okay, and so now you're working at e ECE, yeah. so a major international uh, and shop and German shopping center. Yes. Yeah. Um, so why? So it appears that you love your job. 
oh, yeah. you're passionate about it. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Because well, you know you're not cooking anymore, so you're well, not I am. Little... This, is, this is the joy of what I do. So um, when I, I was in the consulting business for, for four years, I started my own business. I ran that for 25 years. Um, and we worked for all sorts of people. We helped um, uh, Unilever develop the Magnum ice cream product. We, we helped restaurants develop new concepts and formats. I cooked, I cooked, I cooked. I still cooked. I helped do. Yeah, we we launched new brands for people. We helped them with their conceptual. We helped them with their menus, their sourcing, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I sold that business to Jones Lang Sal in 2014. Um, And at that point, I'd already worked for EC as a consultant. Um, So I joined JLL. Um, I I thought that was going to be the rest of my life Mm -hmm. there, but two and a half years later, it wasn't. It just wasn't, and for lots of reasons. But my ambition was, you know, we were working in 50 countries then. We had a team of over 20 people. Um, I wanted to go onto a global platform, but at that time, JLL weren't minded to do that mm-hmm. because of various other things that were going on in the world. So I left and joined ECE, um, a company that I think most people would say is, is quite traditional in the way that it does things. Mm-hmm. And I came in as Johnny English. I was called Johnny English from day one. Why Johnny English? Because my name's Johnny and I'm English. Okay. I mean, that's, that's really just, stupid. That's just, that's, no, there's no and, and there's the Rowan Atkinson film. And apparently in Germany, they find those films quite funny. They find Rowan Atkinson very funny. Don't ask me why. <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but they do. Okay. Um, and so it, I became Johnny English. And, and, and it was it's sort of been a, a really strange, but very enjoyable journey for mm. two years because I brought cooking into the company. And food has now become central to a lot of what we do. A passion for food and place, not just property and rent. Mm. And, and at a time when our industry needs that, mm-hmm. at a time when our tenants and new tenants want that, they want to feel an emotional connection mm-hmm. between landlord and tenant, mm-hmm. not just you pay the rent. Yeah. yeah. So you could say you're sort of like a pioneer of the food industry, no? I mean, you are the man of the year. Yeah, well. So can I, I be like a woman of the year too? Yeah, can you yeah, share some yeah, tips, yeah, please? Yeah, yeah I, I knew nothing about it until it was awarded. Which um, was last year. It was, right? it was last year, yeah. yeah. And it was the first award for Cross Magazine. Um, and I just got this note out of the blue saying, Johnny, you're, you're man of the year. And I went, you know, typical me, I said, shouldn't that be person of the year? Like that. Well, I was groomed well by HR. It should really be personally said, yeah, okay, so it's person of the year, but you're a man, so we're going to call it man of the year. And you know, the first thing that happened, they put it up on LinkedIn, and the first three comments came back, shouldn't that be person of the year? Other people have written As if people had known what you wanted. Amazing. You have this amazing group of fans. I think think part of it is um, I emotionally lead as well as with with what I do. I, I, I'm a great believer in you make things happen if you believe in it. And so when we build new projects, you, you can't just sit there and go, well, it might work, but it might not. You've got to believe in it. You've got to believe in, in what you're trying to do. And you know, bearing in mind when I started, the food industry was less than 1% of the floor space in shopping centers. Now it's on average 10, 12. And, and still growing. And still growing, absolutely. In ECE, it's only like 4%. So we've got a big so job to do, bring that up to that's a good challenge for yeah, you, it is. isn't it? And we've got to build the space properly because you mm. can't just switch a restaurant from a shop. You've got to you've got to build it properly. This is the whole place making thing. You know, you've got to make it a place where you'd like to go, mm. not just. So and it's also the insight. You're not just bringing the food. You're also bringing the yeah. whole atmosphere and environment yeah. for it. 
Okay, so we'll jump uh, we'll jump onto one where there's a shopping center that you love in mm. Frankfurt, mm. Mike's side. Mm. Can you um, so it's a it's a new exciting food concept at yeah. the top of the floor. Can you tell me more about uh, why you call this like foodtopia? That's a funny word, by the way. It's great, why? Yeah. Well, I think let's just start at the beginning. The shopping center was owned by somebody else. It was bought by Deutsche Bank EWS. Um, we are um, the managers of it and they asked us, what would you do with it? And it had a fourth floor, it had three restaurants, four restaurants on it that had failed. There was only one that was working. Beautiful architecture, stunning glass roof, but everybody went up there and then realised you can't get outside. The way it had been built, you come to the edge of the glass roof to look out over the city and there was no balcony. And and we we went to work on it as a consultancy and we produced a report and said, you know, this is actually one of the best places in Frankfurt, but you just have to respect it for what it is. It's like a town square, but on the fourth floor of a shopping centre. And uh, we were we were having various meetings, and then we did the report. And as with most consultant reports, you know, it just gets consigned to a shelf somewhere. And then one day I got a telephone call. Um, I was in Dubai at the time at an RLI event, one of James one of James' famous events, and it was the Maidan Racing Stadium. And um, it was a guy called Klaus Striebig, who was the head of leasing at PC at the time. Um, Jonathan, we'd like to see you. I hear you're in Dubai. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the room next door to you now. You know, okay. I'm in the room, literally the room next door. I went out the door, in the next door, and they said, we, we need some help on this project in Frankfurt. Do you know anything about it? And I went, well, yeah, I wrote a report for it a year and a half ago. Yes. They said, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We need somebody to, to, to deliver that for us. Would you work with our consultant? Anyway, short story, very quickly I joined ECE. It was fantastic. And then it became my baby. Okay. I then found out that the leasing team had been working on it for a year, had got no contract signed. Nobody understood the concept because we're really good at doing food reports, mm-hmm. but we hadn't done anything like this before. So we, 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 we took the team, we took them away for a day. We didn't retrain them because they're beautiful, lovely, incredibly talented people, but they just didn't know what they were selling. Mm. We sat down together in this fantastic day, and then all of a sudden the deal started to happen. And I said, you know, think about it not as a shopping centre and a floor on a shopping centre that's on the fourth floor and it's really difficult to get to. Think about it as a town square Mm. with 16 bars, restaurants, cafes, and a beautiful cinema with an open roof and a terrace that looks out over the city. And they went, we can sell that. Yeah. And then that's what happened. That's how it's And so the first phase opened 11th of April. Okay. Um, the next phase is open mid June, and then the final phase is opening round about the end of So August. this year, of course, yeah. 2018. And the final phase will see Big Chefs in Turkey opening, oh, the wow. Cinema opening, and Alex opening, all with a 140 meter terrace looking out over Frankfurt. It's just stunning. Yeah. Foodtopia. Utopia? Yes. Food. Utopia. Utopia became, and that's how he was describing it. For me, it was going to be a food utopia, and then it just got short. Okay. And then an agency pulled it together, and that was it. Okay. And you know the resistance we had from our from our colleagues. It's not German; they won't understand it. But and I said, well, you know what? That's not a bad thing, actually. And so we had every every name that you could imagine for the area. And eventually, Utopia stuck, and then they, they launched it, and it was. The launch on the 11th was just amazing. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay, well, now I understand Futopia. That makes uh, makes it. 
a little more understandable, I'm sure, for um, our, our yeah, watchers too. I, I hope that. As they say, see me afterwards. They can't see you. Like, no, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They can send you a message. It's okay. Send me a mail. <laughs> so, WhatsApp me or something. I oh, no, it's, it's a WhatsApp. Is that what you call yeah, it? Yes, what's that? Okay, well, when you're 57, it's called what's that? Okay, okay that's, so that's how you do it. Okay, well. Yeah. <laughs> I confused Tinder and Twitter last week. I got them wrong the wrong way around in an email, which was really quite funny in ECU. Oh, anyway, yeah, that really... Yeah, yeah. How did you get to I don't know. I think it was the uh, spell checker. That's yeah. why I'm blaming. Yeah, right. You just, just blame the technology. That's what my mother does. So you're called the visionary of the food sec- sector. Really? Don't be shy. Okay. Tell me why. Right. But, I mean, that's a really great question. Why? Um, because I believe. I am a believer. Um, I'm a huge believer that, that if we want people to, to enjoy a place, mm-hmm. you have to give them um, spaces that they can enjoy, not just use. Yeah. So it's the difference between a restaurant that you go into and you functionally consume things because you're hungry and thirsty, and a restaurant that you go into and you know you live parts of your life there and, and, and that's every restaurant company in the world is striving for that even you know the brands like McDonald's and KFC the fast food the ones that are struggling a little bit to get the growth in in their traditional markets they're all now going it's real spices it's cool it's interesting mm. we're doing music we're doing better furniture you know it's not that function anymore and, and I think I believed that and I believed it because I've grown up in the industry and mm. I can see what what happens when you refurbish a restaurant or when you do something really well and you show the cooking? Mm. Now, Wagamama's sales growth, when they took the kitchen from the back of the store and brought it to the front of the store and let people see the cooking going on, was not, there's no other reason apart from the fact that oh, people really? can see cooking and mm. they, they feel more hard of this So I'm a believer, and I think that it's not if you want to call it visionary, you can believe in lots of things, but. I genuinely believe that the power of food is much, much more than a biological function. It's a, it's a place-making tool, and our industry didn't understand that. And the shopping centre and property industry mm-hmm. didn't understand that, and it does now. And I think I've been singing that same song, but if you think I started in 1993, at that point most people were saying, Johnny, just shut up. Yeah. You know, you, you keep talking about more food, you keep saying it's going to be coming, and you keep saying this, and it's not, it's just not. And that in those days, really, so you got a lot of rejection. Yeah, loads of rejection. These were the traditional companies that were, you know, really powerful. Pearl, um, KMP in the end, um, Hammerson, you know, all of those. And then suddenly you start working for people like Westfield and Lendlease. We did Blue Water, we did Traffic Center. You know, Traffic Center, 100 million in food service sales a year. That's not by accident. One, one, one lady who was one of the, the um, investors came to the site before it opened. She said, you know, Jonathan, she calls you something Nobody's ever going to come here for a nighttime meal. Why would you come to a shopping centre to have dinner? And, and because that was her world of shopping centres provided functional cafes and food. It didn't provide a nice place to be. You know, and the cinema did 900,000 people. 
and of course every time you go to the cinema. Of course, you go to the you always want to have, you want to eat. It's just part of culture. So I think we, we were very we were very structured in the way we did our work. We thought very carefully about the guest journey, mm -hmm. how you come in, what you do, mm -hmm. you know, all the usual stuff that when people arrive at a shopping centre, the first thing they generally do is they go to the toilet. Mm -hmm. You know, they relax a little bit, then they find something to eat and drink. Mm -hmm. And, and then they go on to do whatever they have to do. do. So if you understand that process and you then put the right things in the right place, yeah. I always say to people it's like having a petrol station but not on the road. If it's not on the road, you're not going to use it. You know, you drive down a motorway and there's a sign that says the petrol station is six kilometres off the motorway. You don't use that one. And it's the same with cafes. You don't go hunting a cafe or shopping centre. No, you go you to the one that's just yeah. But if you know where the great restaurant is, you will hunt that down because mm. you're going to be spending an hour and a half there. Okay. So it's quite logical. I mean, visionary is a lovely word. Thank you all so much. But no, I think you, know, you are a visionary. I think what I am is I'm a passionate believer, and as a result, a passionate leader. Okay. Yeah. So you call yourself a passionate leader? Yeah, I would, I would say that's so. For you. Visionary is is. It's sort of like, I think you're seeing past what everybody else is seeing. I think everybody well, you, knew it was happening. You, know? yeah, you took yeah. that stick and said, I'm going there, yeah. follow yeah. me not. I mean, of course, when I say follow me not, you just, you had a team of people that helped you out. You weren't yeah. alone, but yeah. you were the one that said, okay, let's go for it. first so, three years, I was alone. Yeah, no. I was I literally by myself. Yeah. You know, one, of the, one of the loneliest things I've ever done in my life. Yeah, that was one of the questions I was going to ask. Yeah. And you know, some days when you know, the, the, the big client hasn't paid the bill um, and they go, but it's, it's only £10,000 and you go, but, you know, to you? Yeah, to you it's nothing because you're, you've got money at the end of the month for me. <laughs> yeah. And the dog hasn't had anything to eat for ages, you know. <laughs> oh, so you, you have it? I have a beautiful okay. chocolate milk. Oh. Or Bentley. Oh, Bentley. Bentley. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I have a girlfriend, she calls me the Bentley Medina, so. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just the most beautiful, beautiful thing ever. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been a lot of change in my life, but the consistent thing for the last eight years has been Bentley. Yeah, and he's always been yeah. there for you. So that goes to my next question. Mm -hmm. You are so successful in everything that you do. How do you balance like your private life and your work? Is there something as a secret? Yeah, my wife. My, my second wife. Oh. <laughs> I was married first time for 26 years. Um, uh, sadly, my first wife had bipolar, and for, for lots of reasons, we decided we were going to carry on. Um, we had no children then. Um, they actually didn't think we were going to have children. And then I met this amazing lady, um, who's now my wife, and we now have two children. Um, so at the tender age of 57, I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old, which is amazing. And she and Bentley, yeah, and Bentley, and she just holds it. All together, she's she's my rock. She is the one that I rely on every day to make sure that the house is fine and the kids are fine. Um, and I'm away three, four nights a week. Yeah, so it's pretty, it's pretty intense. But but you guys balance no, it out. If I spend a week at home, she goes, "When are you going to Hamburg, darling? <laughs> <laughs> when are you leaving home? Yeah, <laughs> we don't need it's, you know, it's right now. It's fine, but okay. then." And, and, and so for us at the moment, I mean, we're putting a lot into the job. Mm -hmm, of um, course. I'm, I'm, you know, I have an amazing job at EC. I'm incredibly lucky. Alexander is, is the best person I've ever worked with. Mm. Um, and to say that when you're 57 and you've worked for so many companies, you know, big multinational businesses, but to say that that's the best job ever is, is really something. I think it's also the team that yeah. you know, people that you're surrounded by, which is very much important. So that brings me to you talked about um, 
hard lessons, but there, what's the, the lesson you've learned in your life that has totally changed you? Is there something that you could tell me? One thing or two that has completely yeah, changed you? totally changed. Okay, that's, and I think it's a really easy answer. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody has talent. You just have to find it. Every single person I've ever worked with, I'm really proud of this. I've done, you know, I had lots of people when I ran my business cover point who worked for me for three, four, five, six, seven years, whatever. Almost everyone that left has gone off and done something outstanding. Oh, really? And, and, and it's really funny because I have a lady who, who is she's now living in South America. Mm -hmm. um, she got married, she went out there, she started a business out there. She sent me a, a note on LinkedIn a week ago saying, I used to think, why were you so obsessive about detail? Why were you so OCD about getting things right? Now I'm running my company. I have 48 people working for me. I'm turning over X million. And every day I say to my team exactly what, what you say. Yeah. She had super talent, but mm. she just didn't know it. And, and that's so true for so many people. I mean, I do a lot of stuff outside of um, ECE, which is the benefit of, I don't know, what do we call it, community benefit stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of that's about taking people who've had really tough times, mm -hmm. the disadvantage, those who've ended up in prison for whatever reason, or, or homeless, and getting them back into employment and food service is a really good way of doing that. You know, okay. Getting them into the kitchen, even if it's a very basic job, but giving them a sense of um, timing and agenda and, and routine and giving them back some sense of feeling that they're doing something mm -hmm. worthwhile. That's a bit like what Mayor said when he was in his, uh, his organization, the ability of bringing And slums. nothing that I've done is anything on that scale. No, but the fact but that you say, you know, right. bringing people yeah. to, you know, yeah. maybe had hard times and yeah. bring them back to, as you see, yeah, so it's discipline. Really interesting, one, one, one guy who, who'd been, he'd been on the street and he, he took a job, arranged for it and he, he basically washed up the plates. He was the, the guy that ran the dishwasher. Um, but there were 20 waiting staff mm -hmm. and they absolutely loved him because mm -hmm. he did such a good job. Such a good job. And without those clean plates, they, were they wouldn't. Yeah, so it doesn't work. You need everybody to work yeah. together. And he said, I've never felt so valued. Yeah. You know, and I think it's small things you yeah. don't need to do. But that. That's when that happens, when the hair on the back of your neck stands mm -hmm. up. And Klaus, watching him yesterday. Klaus, yeah. The hair on the back of my neck mm -hmm. stood up. And I said to him afterwards, just thank you so much. You know, to, to go and see things like that is is a is a huge privilege. That's why why I do what I do, mm. and to meet people like that is a huge mm. privilege. It's just amazing. Mm, amazing. Well, last question that I have for you. So um, maybe a piece of advice that you could maybe give. So my girlfriend is opening a restaurant um, back in, in Fulham very soon. So Mediterranean food, Mediterranean mm -hmm. food. Um, and so what advice would you give for someone that's passionate about food and wants to set something in the world? It's not necessarily for my boyfriend, but maybe for somebody no, else. Absolutely. absolutely. What, would you, um, what would you say? Um, Apart from, I know, believing. <laughs> believe, 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 but don't do it for yourself, as in, and I'm not talking about financially. Think about the food and the flavours, mm. and think about what what it will mean for other people. We, we all fall in love with stuff. I, I work for loads of landlords who say, I want I want Noma in my shopping centre. And I go, well, that's you, and you can afford 140 quid a meal, but nobody else can. Exciting flavours. Um, be true to that 
the culinary side of it, but think about it more than just what you love. Mm. You've think got to about have what other others. people love it as well. So test it with as many people as possible. Mm. Get out there and try it. And what, what I'm finding more and more is that people are quite cautious about the strength of flavour, and yet the customer, the guest, is much less cautious. They want power these days. They want real flavours and sensations. So we're quite, in the UK, we're quite soft mm. with our flavouring. Um, we, we, we don't put too much power behind it. Now we're seeing much more, you know, as, as the cuisines have become more focused, whether it's, you know, any one of the Chinese cuisines yeah. or any one of the, the Asian cuisines or the Central European or the Levant, you know, the, the, the flavours that come into those things are more spicy than they used to be. Mm. So it's, it's about not just thinking about what I love, yeah. but what everybody else will love as well and give them that graduation, they can choose the heat, they can choose the, okay. the complexity of it as well. Okay. Yes? Yeah. And of course, you know, do the finances properly and of all course, of that. Laying out the but key core. The key core thing is, is if nobody key. likes the food, you're a non-starter. That's okay. the point. Okay. <laughs> you can build the best restaurant yeah. ever, but you've got but to love the food. And you look in the newspapers every day in London at the moment, this restaurant's closing after two months, and this restaurant's closing after one month. And, and you know that somebody's had an obsession about something and, and it's just not, it's not viable. Mm. So the best advice is get as many people as you can mm. together with you. Try, yeah. try and see what they say. And if they go, oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. You know you're on it. You're absolutely on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you, pleasure. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you. Thank you very much. Love it. If you like this podcast, why don't you like, share, comment, all do that, all that yummy stuff. And if you want more information on how to be a model for a day in London or you want to visit London as a Londoner, you can get more information on my page, www.oliviaigwe.com. Um, then you can also um, subscribe to the newsletter. I promise there is no spamming. Now remember that the world does not dictate who you are, but you dictate your life. So be you and do you.